Hi, welcome to the podcast. I am Joe Posnanski with me, Michael Shore, for our second part of, uh, I don't even know what we would call, what would we call the last podcast? Kind of a baseball podcast, I guess? Yeah, I mean, that's what it usually always is, right? It's <laughs> really all we talk about. But just call it, just call it whatever we always call it. It's the <laughs> thing that we do where we talk to each other. <laughs> so now we get to do our draft. Uh, and uh, and this week's draft, as always, completely not only unscripted, but we don't really even talk about exactly what we're supposed to be doing here, which has, ba- has boggled me. I'll just say this in advance. I have two different lists because I'm not even sure which one we're actually doing. I legitimately don't know this time whether we're supposed to be doing it sincerely or ironically. Exactly. That's why I have two different lists. So, right. I, And I'm going to let you take the lead on that. So uh, the podcast this week is, and it's based entirely on all of these, um, let's call them old guys, who are bashing the Golden State Warriors because they're saying basketball's not as good as it used to be. Yeah. And these guys, uh, in our day, uh, we would have just killed Steph Curry. We had guns, you know. So it's like a whole thing about how it used to be great. So t- so today's podcast is things that used to be better. That's, that, is, that is the podcast theme. And you are going to set the theme because you have the first pick. <laughs> God, there's a lot of pressure. I legitimately didn't know whether I was I was me, Mike Shore, was supposed to be coming up with a list of things that I think were actually better. Or, and this is how I chose to see the spirit of the topic, making fun of people who were always saying that things used to be better by coming up with a list of things that people say used to be better that really weren't better in the old days. That's what I went with. So... The number one pick, very obviously, is baseball. Yes. Baseball <laughs> used to be better. Now, uh, I reached out to uh, – uh, I, I didn't want to uh, you know, put words into the mouths of the kind of person who says that baseball used to be better. So I reached out for help to uh, uh, Hall of Fame – Veterans Committee Hall of Fame inductee Mutt McCullers, <laughs> who was a pitching coach for the uh, Dodgers from 1946 to uh, 1991. He was there for a really long time. And I said, Mutt, you know, why, why was baseball better than the old days? Here's what he said. Now, this is a direct quote from this definitely real person. Okay, here's what, he said. Here, here's what he said. He said, in the old days, there were no, none of these slide into second rules, and there was none of this replay garbage. In the old days, if a guy hit a home run, you drilled the next guy because that made sense if you don't think about it too hard. And we played one nothing games that took 55 minutes. There were no designer steroids either. We took amphetamines and cocaine like men. There were no batting armor, no sunglasses, and no catcher's mitts. The guys just caught the balls in their teeth. And when the game was over, we got on a train and headed for St. Louis, even if that's not where the next game was going to be played. And oh, by the way, sabermetrics, there was no math back in the day. We had runs, hits, and errors. And frankly, if you even kept track of errors, you were a nerd. The point is, baseball was better back then. I once saw Bob Gibson pitch a complete game in both ends of a triple header. He threw 470 pitches in two hours, and the Cardinals won on a walk and 40 consecutive sacrifice bunts because they played the right way. Thank you, Mutt McCullers, for uh, helping me helping me articulate exactly why baseball was better in the old days. Mutt, Mutt is so right. You know, I actually spoke the other day um, – uh, at, at an event and, and there was a young, fairly young guy, I guess pretty much just out of college 
probably 28, 27, something like that. He was a lawyer and he played ball in, in college. And he went on this rant about <laughs> the, the, the slide rule. He just went on this rant and, and also the Buster Posey rule, those two things. Sure. And he just, and it was, and it was earnest. I mean, it was like truly earnest from, from his heart, how the game used to be, guys could get hurt that that's that really was the cool part of the game was you could like crash into catchers and hurt them and yeah. you could crash into second baseman and hurt them and he was saying it and i was just it was one of those moments where i actually was able to sort of step outside of myself and listen and just go this is the stupidest thing i've ever heard in my entire life i can't <laughs> but he's saying it not it's there's there's not even the touch of he doesn't know that it sounds incredibly stupid that baseball used to be better because catchers could like Buster Posey could get hurt. It's like back then you, hey, you get hurt. It's great. You missed the year. It's awesome. I, I just, he was saying it from, from absolutely this place of just disgust. Yeah. At, at what's happened to the game. And I just can't, can't even fathom it. Like, I well, you, can't, know, you know, it. like, you, you know what I always think of? I, first of all, I've never understood that either. I I just don't understand anybody who, like, roots for injury <laughs> or or even the threat of injury. But I always think of the Pete Rose at Armbrister thing, right? Isn't that who he crashed into? No, no, Ray Fossey. Ray Fossey, right, Ray Fossey. So I think of the, the Ray Fossey thing, and it's like Pete Rose was, like, celebrated for in a meaningless exhibition game, <laughs> crashing really hard into Ray Fossey. But you know who you don't? Uh, and like my lack of recall is evidence for this. Ray Fossey's not famous. No. <laughs> right. Ray Fossey got hurt in an all-star game. and It was probably like embarrassing. And he didn't have like a long career. He was just in an all-star game. He was psyched. He was playing in an all-star game. He was happy. And then Pete Rose like destroyed him and then jumped up and celebrated. And it's like, well, yeah, is that better? Do we want that? <laughs> we want that world where like a famous guy can crash into a not famous guy and celebrate and jump up and down and get and get more famous for it. And the other guy, I mean, he's probably out of baseball, right? A couple of years later, Ray Fossey, I'm guessing. He was a good, you know, he was a really talented young player. He's he's part of, uh, you know, the Cleveland uh, legacy of, of just horror shows. You know, he was a good young catcher in Cleveland who, of course, had his career derailed, essentially, because Pete Rose smashed into him in an all-star game. Right. And it's just like, yeah, look, I'm looking him up right now. He had an 830 OPS when he was 23. Yeah. Well, so wait, what year was that? Was that? 71. Was the 71, year. yeah. So in 1970, he was a 23-year-old catcher with an 830 OPS, a 124 OPS plus. He was an all-star that year. He was an all-star the next year. And I guess Pete Rose crashed into him, and then he was never the same. Yeah. No, that's exactly right. <laughs> That's exactly right. And, you know, it's terrible. Pete, Pete always likes uh, saying, you know, I had him for dinner the night before he did. He invited because the game was in Cincinnati and he had Fossey and I think some other people over the house for dinner. And they're like, all like, "Uh, you know, let's. And at no point during the dinner does he go, by the way, if if the game is like an extra innings tomorrow and it's an exhibition game and nobody really cares i'm crushing you i'm totally destroy you i will destroy you i I, yeah i don't i don't get but all of those things you said about baseball uh that people complain about it's you know i have this theory and i've I've said it i believe on here before i've written it many times that baseball is perfect when you're 10 years old 
and that you never really want it to be anything other than when you're 10 years old. That's like, yeah. that is how you envision the way the game should be. So when I'm 10 years old, it's all pitching and defense and, and, you know, shortstops who weigh like 110 pounds and all of that. So that's the way the game should be. But then you watch the players today. They're a billion times better. They're just yeah. better. It's just, it's just the, the things they can do on the field are, are so much more amazing than anything that players of my day could do athletically uh the preparation they put in the game is so much better and yet the game is so much worse that's the whole <laughs> point it's crazy all right my first pick uh since we're going in this direction i can go to this list my first pick is video games uh because obviously video games were way better uh when we were younger uh and i'm not even talking about going back to pong which is what a game, Pong, if you think sure. about it. You got lines, and you got that little square ball in the mm -hmm. middle. That's awesome. But really, I'm more referring to more the handheld games, like uh, you know your, your electronic football type things where you are a little blink of light. Yeah. And you have to elude other blinks of light uh, mm -hmm. that are supposed to be linebackers or, or whatever the case may be. Uh, baseball had a similar version where a little blink of light would come at you and you would swing like a, a line that represented the bat. And then the ball would like go to one of six places because that was all that, that the game would allow it to go. Uh, so that was really cool. Uh, what, do they, what do they have games have today? What do they have today? Just all of this crazy virtual reality and, 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 and it's, it's ridiculous. You know, games... Video games, way better in our time. Yeah, I mean, all that video games have to offer now are games where you can make an avatar of yourself that looks like you, put yourself on your favorite basketball team, and play realistically simulated games <laughs> against other avatars that look like the actual real players, track your progress through an entire season, make trades like demand a trade. You can sit down with your GM and make a demand a trade to another team. <laughs> you can uh, you can experience pretty close to something approaching the thrill of hitting a last second three pointer to win an NBA basketball game, which, by the way, I did recently. Uh, it, and and like that's it. You know what? That's it for sports games. Like that's all that. Oh, that's all they really have to offer is. A reasonable simulacrum of the actual complexity <laughs> of professional sports. <laughs> not like the days. In those days, not like asteroids. You know, like, like it, asteroids. That game, that football game, where you were X's and O's, and you had that little round thing in the middle that you would bang your hand on, like to spin to make your running back run or your quarterback throw the ball, and you would sure. spin it, and your hand would end up being like like chewed up because that stupid thing was, you know, not exactly in line. So you, you were just basically getting pinched every time you did it. That was great. That, that golf game that also had that little ball in the middle where yeah. you would like spin it. And that would look like a little square thing would represent the ball. And it would sort of go over various green ish type of things. Uh, that's think about that. Compare that golf game with like some Tiger Woods thing where yeah. you get to be like Bobby Jones or, or, or Tiger Woods or a player from any era and play one of the hundred greatest golf courses in the world and actually be able to do like make motions like you're swinging a golf club and that would be represented on the screen. Yeah. Who needs that? 
Who needs that? I g- give me a Galaga. <laughs> what about Ms. Pac-Man? I mean, it wasn't just Pac-Man. There was Ms. Pac-Man too, and Pac-Man Junior. I, I mean, the yeah. variety we used to have. Um, all right, no, it's a good pick. It's a good pick. I'm going to go for my number two pick. Another obvious choice: football. Football. I mean, football is nowhere near as good as it used to be. Now, again, I didn't want to. I didn't want to try to misrepresent the arguments made by a crusty old timers who think football used to be better. So I reached out to Hall of Fame guard Dick Frumichel, who played for the Redskins from 1937 to 1955. He's he's getting up there in years. But uh, I reached out to him to ask him why why football was better in the old days. So here's what he said. This is a direct quote, by the way. From Dick Frumichel. From Dick Frumichel, yeah. Here's what he said. He said, football was a game back in those days. You think people cared about concussions back then? Nobody got concussions. We got our bells rung, and we shook it off, and we got back in there, and we ran off tackle left and gained two damn yards at a time like men. And our average life expectancy was 47, which was also very manly. Also, no one cared about our team's nickname. You don't like the name of our football team? You think it's offensive? I think it's a sign of respect. And since I'm talking louder than you are, I'm right. Also, there were no timing patterns. Any of this finesse mumbo-jumbo offensive nonsense. We had two offensive plays, run left and run right. The best offensive player in the league was Max Stonerock. He played fullback, left tackle, middle linebacker, kicker, and he did stadium security. <laughs> and when the Browns beat the Giants 3-0 in the 1952 championship, he rushed 48 times for 81 yards, and we won by forfeit when everyone on the Giants died of frostbite. <laughs> now that was football. So there you go. I, I don't think you could say it better than Dick Frumichol. It's frankly. a pretty strong argument. It's you a gotta, strong argument. You know, back in those days. And by the way, these guys, they got paid like five bucks a game. I mean, yeah. it wasn't like I mean, they were getting truly. But, you know, they played for the love, for the love of the game. They had to get second, the love of the game. That's second, right. second jobs, sure, as taxi drivers. But it didn't matter <laughs> because they played for the love of the game. And back then, coaches, uh, they, they were real. They were real coaches. They they didn't sit there and watch all this stupid film and like design plays. They ran you in the like crocodile infested waters. That's right. That's how you melt. That's how you build football teams. That's Everybody how you build. That's that. how you build friendships, and that's how you build camaraderie. <laughs> yeah, football used to be way better. Football yeah, I... used to be. You know, it's it really is amazing. You look back at like the, like especially the early seventies and. Teams really did. They ran like 78% of the time. Yeah. And passes were never like designed plays. They were just the quarterback going in the huddle going, I don't think we can get this third down. Let's, let's go. <laughs> you, you guys run, you guys go out. Okay. We'll throw you the ball. Right. Run, run towards the end zone. And maybe at some point, one of you should turn around and run back towards me. <laughs> yeah. They didn't, they didn't really work out that, but you know, but, but here's, here is, here's the question. If the 72 Dolphins, you and I have actually had this conversation, but we'll have it again. 72 Dolphins would play the, uh, let's say, the 16-0 and Belichick uh, Patriots. Yeah. 72 Dolphins by two touchdowns, right? I mean, <laughs> minimum. <laughs> I mean, I think, I think there's no question. I mean, you know, Larry Zonka, uh, game set match. Game set right? match. I mean, yeah. Zonka running into the line like he did. Uh, how are you stopping that? I don't know. Especially <laughs> when your offensive line, if you're the 72 Dolphins, averages like 
265 pounds. I mean, how are you going to find a defensive line that can overwhelm an offensive line that averages 265 pounds or roughly what like a punter is these days? (laughs) You know, that team had Paul Warfield, who is actually one of my favorite players, a great receiver. He was like their only receiver. He was like the only guy who would send out into patterns. Yeah. It might be tough to stop that guy. It might be tough to defend when you're playing two tight ends, two running backs. And, and two, uh, two fullbacks and five guards. <laughs> and Paul Warfield running. You know, there's, how are you going to cover that? How are you going to guard that guy? Yeah. Football used to definitely be better. All right. Um, my way, my uh, second choice for things that used to be way better used to be way better getting directions uh, Mm. on the road. Don't you think way, way better? You would have to pull over and stop at a gas station and ask the guy how to get places, or you could pull into like a rest stop and ask a complete stranger how to get places. Very often their, their directions were very precise and, and wasn't difficult to remember at all. Like they wouldn't say things like, yeah, you go about a mile and a tenth down the road, and then there's a right turn, but don't take that one. Take the next one, and then you'll turn in, and then there's like this 7-Eleven, and, and if you, then you've gone too far. If you go to the 7-Eleven, you've gone too far, and then you you got to just keep going, and then you turn left. And, and so it was very easy, much easier, let's face it, these little GPS things that that you constantly are being told what, ter- what turns to make. They're, they tell you what the traffic is like ahead of you. Yeah. They, they give you alternate routes of things. Who needs that? Who Why would you that? need any of that? It, it's ridiculous, especially for people like you and me who are so good with direction. Yeah. It's, it's, to me, it's a bit of nonsense. And I, I've said before, one of my favorite things in the world is watching my wife give directions because she is, and she will deny this to, to the death, she is the single worst direction giver who has ever lived, ever. And I have the single worst bit of direction in all seriousness. So it is it is an absolute comedy every single time I ask her how to get places. Because she'll, she'll go in and I'll say, okay, look, I just need to get to the bank. Where, where is it again? Like, I, I don't remember, even though I've banked there for 20 years or whatever. And she'll say... Okay, you remember, so you go by, you keep going. Remember where there used to be, there used to be like a store. There used to be like a store. They had like really good, uh, um, really good scarves there. I used to get scarves there. And and it's not that anymore. I don't know what it is now, but you, where that is, you don't turn there. You just keep going and you keep going. And then there's, you'll go to like this, I don't remember. It's like, I don't know what the street is called, but it's something just turn there at that street and then you keep going a little further down and then, okay, do you remember where we went with the kids once it was like a restaurant, but we went in there and it was too full. So we couldn't go in. So so that's, (laughs) and she'll go on like this for like an hour. Like I am not even, there's no chance, no chance at all. So I prefer that to this technology of today. Definitely. It's so, it makes people soft. Totally um, makes people soft. I also I'm terrible with directions, and I hate it when you say like I say like so. How do I get to the place? And the someone the person will say like, okay, so you go up the road. <laughs> no, but like that doesn't mean anything. Going up the road doesn't mean like it could either direction could be up. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like I I you go or he said you'll go down the road, but it's like which direction? Which I don't understand. How do how does anyone know anything? How did we do this? I, how does I, anybody get anywhere? 
when people have to we had to give them us directions. I um, mean, we all did somehow, but how did how? Well, how? we got lost a lot. I think that yeah. was the big thing. But I, my other favorite thing is, and my wife's also this. She's from a small town, so it 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 works for her. Um, but it doesn't work for me at all. Is when people give me actual direction, like I'll go north, go north about twenty. I don't. Yeah, I don't know what north is. I'm not Magellan. I don't have like a compass with me at any time. Yeah. Go north. My 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 father in law. Once we were. Um, uh, he's he's a farmer from a small town, and uh, and he lives by direction northeast, west, south. And we're moving a couch into the house, and he says while we're moving it through like a door, he actually says, "No, no, move it a little to your east, a little to the east." What are you talking? I I could not possibly. I feel like I live in this bubble without any direction, and it doesn't matter if the sun is out, and it doesn't matter. I I have no concept of direction at all, and people use that all the time. I uh, just to put a fine point on this, I lived in Manhattan <laughs> for seven years, a grid, a giant grid, and pretty much any time I came out of the subway, I knew enough to know that I didn't know where I was and that I didn't know which direction I had to go in. So instead of standing on the corner and like turning around and trying to figure it out. I would see what street I was on and then just walk in one direction. <laughs> and if like if I needed to go south and I would just walk in a direction and the numbers are going down, I'd be like, oh, hey, I guessed right this time. <laughs> and if I walked and like got to the point where I was like the numbers were going up, meaning I was going north, I was like, oh, I blew it. And, and I would turn it. But I didn't even – it wasn't – I didn't try to figure it out. I just, I just walked <laughs> because it would take me just as long to stand on the corner – and spin around in a circle and try to triangulate where I was than it would to just make a choice because half the time I was right. <laughs> well, I was going to say, what percentage of the time were you right? Probably 40%, <laughs> like less than, like humiliatingly less than half. <laughs> All right. So direction's way better in the old days. Great. Well, my third choice, I'm just going to, I'm just saying stick with the theme. I'm going basketball. Uh, I think basketball is way better in the old days. Sure. Uh, now again, I, I didn't want to put words into someone's mouth here about why basketball is better than the old days. So I reached out to, uh, Dave Lamont. You will remember him. Of course, he was a backup center for the Pistons sure. from 1976 to, uh, 1987. Played for the Kansas City Kings for a little while. Old, old Dave Lamont. Yeah. Dave, what a, a great guy, Dave Lamont, tough guy. And tough so guy. I reached out to him and here, here's what he said. He said, uh, uh, basketball was better in my day. Uh, you know what we would have done to Steph Curry back in the old days? We would have knocked him to the floor, that's what. We would have knocked him down, and if he tried to get up, we would have knocked him down again. And then we would have threatened him with various violent acts and maybe threatened his family and stepped on his face and then torched his car and thrown rocks at his head because basketball was tough. How do they let this guy just run around and hit threes? Where's Rashid Wallace? Where's John Sally? Where's the guy who comes off the bench and aggressively and recklessly attacks someone and assaults him over and over again because that's how basketball is played? I'll tell you this. If Steph Curry played Charles Oakley one-on-one, Oakley would win 10 nothing because every time Curry got the ball, Oakley would punch him in the face and take it away from him because that's the way basketball ought to be played. The final score of every basketball game should be 73-66. to 66. And then he got cut off. So I don't know what uh, if he had more to say. But anyway, I, I agree with him. I think basketball was way better. Well, I think that. that's right. Uh, he got cut off because he was on a rotary phone. The, um, <laughs> D- Dave Lamont. You know, I, I think one thing about, about how this is obviously was the inspiration for this whole draft. Um, 
is that guys who have watched a lot of current basketball, like Charles Barkley, as an example. So everybody loves Charles Barkley, I guess. And, and, you know, he's funny and he's, and he's quirky and he does those commercials and, and, and whatever. And he's obviously been around basketball a lot. They keep putting around college basketball too. So he's, he's, he's watching a ton of basketball and for Charles Barkley to come out and say that basketball used to be way better. You just wonder, like, do your eyes go like, as you get older? I mean, is it like, is there, is there really a trigger in the brain that just refuses to, to, there is no possible way that as a completely unbiased person, you can watch the Golden State Warriors play and believe that anybody in the 1970s or 80s could have played with them. They're just, it's impossible. These, Steph Curry is making shots that those guys didn't know existed. They literally didn't even know you were allowed to shoot from there. Yeah. And, and Clay Thompson might be the second best shooter of all time. Yeah. And that team, and Draymond Green, like guards seven foot four guys. He doesn't care. It doesn't matter. How in the world are any of those players really seeing the game today and thinking, yeah, it used to be better. How is that possible? I don't know. I mean, first of all, I want to say this. I just uh, checked. I, I just Googled Dave Lamont, who is the name, name of the made-up basketball player that I invented. And yes. apparently there's a Dave Lamont who like to, announces for the Miami Heat sometimes on ESPN. <laughs> I just want to make it clear. That I it no wasn't way. that Dave Lamont. It's not that Dave Lamont. It was David but, uh, Lamont. Second of all, um, I, I don't know. I think that it's very odd to me that, that people's uh, manhood gets threatened. I think because that's what it seems to me to be. It's like they're like, we were tough. We were men. This, the, this, this new finesse way of playing is threatening to my sense of like manliness and manhood. It's something stupid like that because I don't understand how you wouldn't look at what those guys do and just go like, wow, they're amazing. What an incredible group of guys. You know, people get very touchy anytime something that is like sacred about the past is uh, is threatened. You know, if you if you try to tell people right now that Steph Curry is challenging Michael Jordan, for example, in terms of like you know playoff moments or or you know best ever or whatever, like nothing. I mean, you could it's it's more than like politics, more than you know history. You will get people riled up instantly. People will go bananas instantly if they hear the words Steph Curry and Michael Jordan in the same sentence and they start screaming at you. And it's like, well, you know, wait a second. Like he's done things that Michael Jordan never did. We're not allowed to talk about whether he is, you know, approaching Michael Jordan's, uh, you know, uh, level of play. No, you're not. You're not allowed to even suggest it. You're not allowed to come near it. And it, I think it's a similar thing with like Barkley and and whoever you know uh, who was the oh, Tracy McGrady. Yeah, didn't he say something crazy recently? It's like why can't you just look at him and go, oh my god, that's the, one of the best basketball players who's ever lived. Aren't we so lucky we get to watch him? Yeah, well, I think the toughness thing is exactly right. I, I think you couldn't have nailed it more. There, there is, there is a sense, and I there's some there's some truth. I imagine as generations get, you know, as generations go. Uh, we get less tough. I mean, they're just, it just is because we can, you know, I mean, in 1900, right. you got to be tough because you were going to live to be about 40 and, and, uh, and, you know, you were going to probably die in a factory. I mean, that's, that's just how it was. And yeah, the next generation came along was softer. And then the next generation was softer and on and on and on because 
we're advancing as a society. Yeah. And I think people do uh, have trouble with that. I really do. In fact, my third choice is uh, for things that used to be better is um, airport security. So airport security oh. used to be way better, right? Because you would go to, and this is, it's really staggering to think about this, that this was not that long ago. But when I first started traveling, you would go to like the, to the main, whatever, the ticket counter, and they would have like a little, a little sign and that would have three questions on it. And the questions, they would ask you those three questions. Did you pack your own bag? Uh, did anybody give you anything? Uh, and something else, some other bag related question. Uh, yeah. Do you, are you carrying any explosives or whatever? Right. And then you would say no to all of these things. They'd be like, fine, get on the plane. Thank you. You know, and you didn't have to have a ticket. Like you go with friends like, yeah, come on with me to the gate. You can sit at the gate with your friends. Uh, like security people would like check your bag just to make sure it was locked for you. You know, like, yeah. oh, hey, your bag's open, sir. You know, and they would let you just go on through. And there was nothing. I mean, nothing beyond that. How awesome is that? Now with the, you know, x-rays and making sure that we're not going to die on the plane and all that sort of thing who needs that that's see there's a to me that's a toughness quotient back in our day we used to go on the plane if we got killed we got killed we didn't care but now you got to be really careful about that kind of thing so it's really weird it's weird how toughness changes yeah it so many of these things are really just about people who had to be a certain amount of tough yep. and are seeing other people's lives have improved and they don't have to be that tough. And instead of saying like, it's so nice <laughs> that you don't have to be as like tough and get beaten up as much as we did. They're angry that the other people don't get beaten up. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? It's like, they, it's like a complete lack of empathy. It's like, instead of saying, wow, I went through something that was really hard and I'm so happy that other people that, you know, we've made advances and other people don't have to go through as many hardships. It's like, I went through these hardships. I want you to have to go through them too because that validates my existence on earth or something. I don't know. I, I have no idea. Now, do you remember, do you remember pre-security? Uh, I mean, were you Oh, sure. Yeah. Them? Oh, yeah. Yeah. That yeah, was, yeah. It, it was strenuous. It was. I mean, it's still strenuous now. It's just strenuous in a different way. <laughs> now it's strenuous in a like they're like the there's cameras gathering like DNA data on us all the time right. and stuff. It's gone the other way. But yeah, no, I, I certainly do remember that. Um, all right. So for my fourth pick, that was your third pick, right? That was yeah. my third pick. Uh, my my fourth pick uh, uh, is Saturday Night Live, <laughs> uh, a show I worked at for six and a half years and feel nothing but happy uh, memories and fondness and and. Uh, enjoy about I, there's no there's no alter ego i've created for this i just want to talk about a specific thing that people say about saturday Night live which is uh everybody who's ever uh, worked on it has heard this people say oh it used to be better yeah uh, no matter when it is um it, it was better in the 70s it was better in the early 80s it was when eddie murphy was on it was better with dana carvey and phil hartman and jan hooks it was better with Adam Sandler, it was better uh with you know uh whoever will ferrell and sherry o'terry it was better with, I mean, it's, it's, it doesn't matter whatever anybody talks about SNL, uh, they, to me or to anyone that I know, they always say I'd used to be better. And here's the deal. It, it wasn't, it wasn't better. <laughs> it, 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 SNL has been exactly 
the same in some ways for its entire 40-year run. It was, it's been exactly the same amount of uneven and occasionally brilliant and occasionally as terrible. Um, it's just different ways. If you actually go back and watch sketches and not clips, not like the best of moments, right. not little 20-second fillets, but the whole sketches from the 1970s, they are so long and so boring <laughs> and so bad. These, they, they, it, they, it was always been a ninety-minute show, but in the seventies, they would have, um, they would have sketches that were fifteen minutes long, sometimes twenty minutes long, that that you didn't even know, you literally didn't even know what was happening. <laughs> like you, and basically, the deal is with SNL is how whatever the cast was when you were between twelve and seventeen years old. That's your favorite cast. It's like you were saying with baseball. It's exactly the same thing. The cast that everybody thinks is the best cast of SNL is the one when they were when they discovered SNL, when they were allowed to stay up late, uh, when they were twelve to seven, roughly twelve to seventeen years old. And there, the truth is, that the quality level has remained roughly consistent for for forty years. There have been some casts that are a little better, in my opinion. Some casts that were a little worse. There have been some years that were good, some years that were bad. It tends to get a little better in election years and then a little worse in non-election years. But the reality is that it wasn't better in the 70s. It just wasn't. Like, it it just hard, straight up was not better. (laughs) I had this very similar conversation more than once uh, with Al Michaels, where everybody kept telling Al Michaels again and again and again. And and this is is back when he was doing Monday Night Football and then now where he's doing Sunday Night Football. They'd always tell me it used to be better. Monday Night Football used to be way better, way better. Oh, with with Cosell and with 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 uh, Dandy Don, and then it was way way better. And oh, suit had so much bigger uh, effect on the culture, and so many more people watched it. And and it was used to be way way better. No, none of it's true. None yeah. of it. None. It, it, it the it pales in comparison to what they do at Sunday Night Football now and what they used to do at Monday Night Football. And I, I don't know enough about what's going on at Monday Night Football with Gruden and those guys, but but I know a lot about Sunday Night Football and I know a lot about what Al did. It The ratings were, they're way better. People are watching way more. The, the cameras are way better. The announcing is way better. Every single thing about it is better. But we grew up with that Monday Night Football. So we're like, oh, we remember, ah, oh, Cosell, you forget that Cosell wasn't just the nine, you know, little bits that you've heard him say. Cosell was a walking, talking piece of nonsense about football. He knew nothing. He knew yeah. nothing about the game. He would just say things that if they were said today, you know, would be, I mean, he would make, you know, firing Joe Morgan look like nothing, you know, because <laughs> he was, and I, you know, the saying this is someone who admires what Cosell did as an announcer and, and how he, he sort of changed the landscape a little bit and all of that and brought some journalism into it and was on the right side of some causes. He was a terrible football announcer and he was a worse baseball announcer, but people, because there were no choices back then, you had to watch football uh, on Monday night. Um, People remember that as being great and all the, I just remember so much fun. He had one camera basically watching the whole game. And then like you would do replays were nothing. You got no replays. Uh, You had very mediocre announcing and, but people will always remember it being better. Yep. That's just the deal. There's nothing anybody can do. Nostalgia is incredibly powerful. Yeah. It's a very, very, very powerful 
psychological force on people, especially when they're discussing things like entertainment that seem like they have a very sure opinion of, you know, like they, yeah, yeah. it's like you can't, it's not like it, there's, it's not a mathematical thing where you, you can say, you know, you can compare, you're, you're talking about sub- subjectivity and when you're talking about anything that's subjective, nostalgia just has a way of just obliterating every other force. But that's different than the toughness thing that we're talking about. Like yeah, that, that is different. You're right. You know, I mean, that's really interesting because uh, to me, the toughness thing is I get it in some ways. There is some there is a powerful force of, hey, why aren't you having to endure what I had to endure? Man, we didn't we didn't care about, you know, these racist names. What do we care? We didn't let our feelings get hurt. You should have heard the names they called me. You know, that was like that's a toughness thing. I get that. But the nostalgia thing is much different. I mean, it's a much more. It's a, it's first of all, it's something you really tend not to be able to see in yourself is how nostalgic you are. Um, but it's also just it it seems to touch upon a different part of what what makes memories powerful, I think. Yeah, I think that's right. All right. For my fourth pick, I'm going to go with how much better it used to be for smokers. I, I just think it mm-hmm. used to be so much better for them. My parents were both smokers. Uh, so I can remember, uh, first of all, (laughs) everything used to be better as far as technology, like for safety, like getting where you sit in the back seat used to be, you didn't have to deal with these car seats for babies. They'd sit on your lap in the front seat. Like they were supposed to, (laughs) you know, you didn't have to deal with these seat belts and all this. If you got in a crash, you died. That's how it was supposed to be. And my parents used to smoke and we grew up, I grew up in Cleveland. So the windows were always rolled up because it was always freezing. Yeah. And our car, honestly, it was just one giant cancerous fog of, of smoke. And, and that was how I basically, my, I don't even remember ages like five to 12 because that was, I was just in that smoke fog basically the entire time. <laughs> You'd go to eat and you couldn't even taste your food because like cigarette smoke was everywhere. That was just not, I've, I've been watching. I, I will say I'm a little bit influenced by this because I have been binge watching Mad Men. Ah. Finally, after all of these years, I've, uh, I've decided to uh, binge watch Mad Men, which, you know, is, I find to be uh, very interesting. And, uh, and they're smoking all the time. And it has, it has triggered my memories of it being everywhere. It literally being everywhere. And basically what we were saying as a society is we non-smokers will tolerate this. We have to tolerate this because smokers deserve the right to, to, uh, to, to smoke wherever they want, essentially. And we're willing to tolerate this and we don't tolerate that anymore. Uh, And that is just a downfall of society in my opinion, just a downfall <laughs> that I don't have to sit next to like three people smoking all the time when I'm eating food. It used to be way better that way. You know, I was in New York when the uh, smoking ban went into effect and uh, it was like uh, the, the city's going to re- rebel. You know, this is New York city, you know, uh, they will never stand for this. And uh, it went into effect. We had a show that night at SNL show and it went into effect at midnight that night on Saturday. And instantly the entire city was like, oh, this is way better. <laughs> because there was, a, there was a bar near where I lived called CL Rouge on 7th Avenue. And it was a really cool little speakeasy bar. Uh, and I used to go in there all the time and have a drink. And, and you, it was like a very dark, like red velvet walls and stuff like that. And 
very small little place. And you, uh, we, I went in there after the smoking ban took effect, and I was like, oh, there's art on the walls. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, oh, look at that. There's a, there's a little sconce over there. That looks nice. I mean, it, I realized I had never seen the inside of the bar because it was so small and it was so smoky all the time. And suddenly the air was so much cleaner and you could breathe and like the restaurants were so much nicer. And, and the, it was, I mean, it was instantaneous. Even smokers were like, Oh, this is, yeah, this is better. Like, sorry, everyone. <laughs> we've, we've really been messing this up for you for years. And now I totally agree. You know, it's funny. They used to smoke on planes. Obviously that's, they still make that announcement about, you know, what, what I like about it is, and look, smoking is a, people who smoke i get it i mean it's like i there's a powerful draw to it and then once you're smoking it's it's so hard to quit i get it but you could sense it that you know it's been probably 20 years maybe since you could smoke on a plane maybe you know 15 20 years but they still every time will tell you uh they'll put up the no smoking sign like like that's still up on planes which you, yeah. you're never allowed to smoke on them but also they'll tell you that if you break that that smoke thing in the bathroom yeah like that's a $300 fine or something so how many times did that thing have to get broken before they came up with that rule so so yeah so it used to be but now it's it's accepted now i mean it's accepted and it's way better it's just way better but yet i think that the the saying that it used to be better when people smoked all the time is exactly the same thing as saying that like basketball used to be better. Yeah, it's like the same right. thing, you know. It just yeah. it comes from this weird place. All right, the last pick for me uh, is travel, traveling in general. Okay. Um, I, uh, I, I, you know, people used to look nice on airplanes. Let's just say people would wear suits and ties, and they'd wear sun hats and fancy dresses. Because it was a classy, it was a, a thing to do, and there was a complimentary uh, tea service on the airline. Sure, and we should go back to that. Now, granted, it would take like thirty hours to fly from Hartford to Cincinnati <laughs> because the planes went uh, like eighty-three miles an hour and they crashed all the time. But I think it was better back then. I think it was better when people treated it with respect and uh, and dressed up, got dressed up for the also cars. By the way. Take, you take long car drives. You know, now we have all these like little Priuses. You have 50 miles to a gallon. Get, what about a Cadillac or a Studebaker? You know, give me a, one of those big, giant, finned Cadillacs that get seven gallons to a mile. <laughs> <laughs> and they have no seat belts, like you mentioned. And you could, put, you could fit 11 adults comfortably in them. And they were tanks, and you would just take a nice drive through the country, and you would stop for gas every forty-five minutes because because the cars weighed seven thousand pounds, uh, and they were they were very beautiful cars. And I just think I just feel like traveling used you know air travel, car travel, whatever. It just all used to be better. I don't like these super fast, super safe airplanes <laughs> with Wi-Fi and TVs in them, uh, and I don't like these. You know, incredibly fuel efficient, uh, all electric cars that are trying at the end of Earth's life to save it from being <laughs> destroyed by global warming. I don't like any of that. I like uh, I like the old days. I agree with you. I, yeah. I I agree with you. First of all, air travel it was so much better in the day when it was like unbelievably cost prohibitive. So no actual family had ever been on a plane. Right. Uh, I like that. You know, just it's I want it to be just for the elite. Um, and, and yes, you want it to be at least a 60, 
65% chance that you're, I don't want 65% of the planes to crash, but there should be a threat for at least, you know, 65%. And then the cars, what I really liked about the old days in travel was, you know, one dirt roads. Can we please go back Two these roads that because of the way that they had to build them, uh, you had to go like 25 miles outside of like a direct line in order to get to where you were going. So everything took much, much longer, way better. It's way yeah. better. These highways, who needs that? Yeah. It's awful. Who needs it? Who yeah. needs it? Totally agree. All right. My fifth one is, um, and then, by the way, I'm going to then ask you the five things that you really think used to be better, by the way. You just get to run <laughs> those down. Um, stadiums stadiums and sports now look i'm not a fan of the way that 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 uh that cities get basically uh you know blackmailed into building new stadiums not right i don't like what's going on in atlanta i don't see why we can't go back though to the old days of the stadiums where wherever you were sitting there was a beam blocking your view no matter what yeah the floors were absolutely disgusting and and sticky and made up of something you wanted food, you could have a hot dog. That was what you could get. That's all you needed. And you could get beer in like a paper cup. That's what you needed, in my opinion. It's all you needed. And and basically every element of the stadium, the parking was, was you had to park far away. You want to go to a baseball game, walk a mile. That's what I say. There shouldn't be any easy way for you to get to the ballpark. And then once you get to the ballpark, I don't want you seeing. You don't get to see everything. You can see what you can see. Those stadium, there used to be this great seat, and maybe they still have them because they only retrofitted them. There was this great seating area at old uh, at the Anaheim when it was the uh, California Angels, where literally you would be sitting so high up where any ball that went maybe more than 15 feet off the ground would then go out of your like vision out of your sight zone. So you wouldn't be able to see any pop-up at all. So you had no idea. So you would like kind of watch the players and see, you know, where they were running to assume where the ball is, but you didn't get to see the whole field either. There were like parts of right field that were cut off for you. So if it was a ball was hit to right, you just kind of counted on people like cheering there were no video boards to like yeah. actually let you see anything. That's the way baseball should be seen. That's the way sports should be seen. Old stadiums used to be way better. I went and saw a game at the old Tiger Stadium uh, in probably, I don't know, 87, something like that. And uh, there is not a good seat in that stadium. <laughs> <laughs> and I know that because it was like a day game. And we, uh, uh, my dad and I were on this baseball trip where we went to a bunch of stadiums. We saw the old Memorial Stadium in Cleveland, uh, Baltimore, and we saw, um, uh, you know, uh, uh, Three Rivers and, and Riverfront. And um, we got to Tiger Stadium. And I'm from Michigan. I was born in Ann Arbor. I had never been to Tiger Stadium. And we walked around. It was a day game and no one was there. And we walked around uh, to a bunch of different seats. And everywhere we sat, a giant steel girder was right in front of our faces. <laughs> and it was like, it was just insane. And now, I mean, the, the, like I, I've been to, uh, you know, uh, 18 to what it used to be 18. Is it still 18 T the giant stadium? Is that I, what it's I called? It's still called. AT&T. It changes names every, every two years, but that is, like, that's just an amazing stadium. It's a beautiful stadium. The, and the worse your seat is, the better your seat is. Because if you're sitting way up in the 
like behind home plate in the upper deck, you're looking out, out of the bay. Yeah. It's the most beautiful, picturesque thing. And they, they've just gotten all of that stuff so right so many times. You know, like I've never been at PNC. I hear PNC is amazing too. Amazing. You must have been there. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, every time they do one of these stadiums, it gets better. I know. <laughs> I mean, that's the thing is that I wish the owners would pay for them. I really do. Um, so that's so that's sort of my one negative about the whole how much better it's gotten. But the whole fan experience, well, you're paying a lot more for it too. I mean, admittedly, yeah, the whole fan experience is just not even comparable. Just there's no comparison. Going to an old football game at at Municipal Stadium in Cleveland, one you were putting your life in danger. You really were at, at any point, especially if you were a Pittsburgh fan. It just You didn't go. You just didn't go to the game. It's still not great, but back then, you really didn't. You wore a Pittsburgh jersey to that game at your own peril, you know? Yeah. Uh, and verse, vice versa, and same thing in, in Old Three Rivers for a, for a Cleveland fan. But you'd go, and the wind would be howling. You'd be freezing, and, and the girders would be blocking your view, and you couldn't see it. The field was like, you know, because it was usually – uh, we'd go to a game and it would be like October. So the field would still have a baseball diamond on it with like just people would just throw like grass clippings on that baseball diamond to cover yeah. it and mud everywhere and people just falling down for no reason. And, and, and the beer was absolutely disgusting. I mean, it was like, I, I didn't drink it. I was young then, but you, you left drunk anyway, it didn't matter. <laughs> and, and it was just, you know, and now you go to a game, oh my gosh, I mean, it's like, it's a completely different thing. And again, it's, it, it's, it'll cost you a lot more and whatever, but before you were just throwing your money in the toilet, I mean, you were just, why even go to a game? I mean, it was, it was, it was your experience, unless you were willing to like pay for the premium, premium seats, uh, which would cost you. Your yeah. experience was a nightmare. I mean, it was just, I mean, it wasn't a nightmare. We loved it because we were kids and we didn't know any better, but it's hard to say that was better than it used to be. Yeah, I'm with you. Yeah. All right, so what were at least a couple of your things that really used to be better? Oh, honestly, I didn't make a second list. Oh, this is, this is the only one. I, I did have one that I thought of potentially actually being able to argue, which is architecture. I feel like I, I'm not, I don't love modern architecture. Now, I'm not talking about, like, efficiency or, you know um, – any of those things I'm talking about just purely aesthetically. I feel like the architecture of those, um, of buildings, I preferred like pre pre-war architecture to post-war architecture, but like, that's a kind of a boring thing to say, right? That's just an aesthetic choice. <laughs> I, I just like, you know, like, I'm basically saying that I th- I like Paris. I, mean, I like the way Paris looks more than I like the way Los Angeles looks, which isn't really an amazing uh, observation. <laughs> no, I, I, I would agree with you. Uh, <laughs> all right, I did come up with a list, so I'll just throw them out. I'm not going to go into any detail on it. Anymore. Sure. Just see if you agree. Uh, Kentucky Fried Chicken used to be better. <laughs> these are wait. Just to be clear, these are things you legitimately feel. Legitimately like, feel used to be better. Can't I haven't see? had it. In, I haven't had it in 15 years, okay, so I can't. I can't comment. Don't, don't have it. it. Used to be great. Used to, when you were a kid. Used to be great. Uh, baseball cards legitimately used to be better. Uh, not yeah. not that these cards today they're they're way better produced cards now and you don't have that disgusting gum that would break in your mouth or whatever so it so it's not aesthetically they used to be they're no better um but they used to be better because it was nothing it was cheap it was five cents for you know 25 cents for a pack or whatever and and it was for kids so that used to be way better uh boxing kind of legitimately used to be better interesting uh, 
probably because we didn't care if they died. I, so I think that's, it probably wasn't better, but we just kind of made it because it, we didn't have really a choice. And then the last thing, and I, I will ask your opinion on this, because I'm not sure I'm right on this. I, this was just something I scribbled down. Manager fights in baseball games <laughs> used to be better. And I don't know if that's true. I don't know if really, like, if it would be any fun watching, like, Joe Madden come out and kick dirt on a guy and yell. But as a kid, that was kind of thrilling and and sort of harmless in its own showmanship-like way. Um, I kind of miss that. But then part of me thinks, not a part of the game, stupid, just delays time and wastes all of our time and we shouldn't have it. And it's not about the manager. So I don't know. I'm actually back and forth on that one. What do you think? That's a tough one. I also feel like, by the way, there have been some pretty good manager fights in the last, you know, 10 years or so, right? Didn't Lloyd McClendon have a bunch of good ones? <laughs> and then, and there was that guy that was on Oliver Deadspin and the, like, the, the minor league manager who like went just completely yeah, ballistic yeah. and like marched. Yeah. But I'm just saying like, I don't think it's not a completely lost art is all I'm saying. Yeah. And I, I, I feel like we have an appropriate number of them now. And also, by the way, the reason we don't have more of them is because there's instant replay right. now, which is, which I know that you have complicated feelings about, but me personally, I think is the best thing ever invented. And I love it <laughs> because it, they actually get the calls, right? I so, was actually surprised you didn't put that the, that that was one of the things that used to be better was the, yeah, uh, I've just ranted about it so often. I felt like I needed to say something else, <laughs> but I will say of all those, I'll say, we'll, we'll close with this. I'll say, I, I think, definitively and absolutely baseball cards used to be better. I think we can all agree on that. Yeah. And that's, I mean, and it's all, it's cause it's not like, it's not just nostalgia. It's, it's just that they are so boring now. They're just, they're so bright and glossy and every one of them is encased in some kind of weird plastic shell that says like certified gem mint (laughs) 9.5. It's like at some level, these are meant to be held and collected and tossed around. And, and the, the old, the, the ones, from the old days are better. They just are straight up better. All right, there we go. We found one. We found found one thing legitimately that used to be better. (laughs) All right, as always, thank you, Michael. (laughs) Thank you for having me.